The Disciplined Investor is underwritten by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin on Interactive Brokers. Commissions, just 12 to 18 basis points with no hidden spreads, markups, or custody fees. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. We have a lot to say over the year and lots to go through today on a best of episode of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. Hold on, hang tight. We're going to go through the opening sequels and commentary from many months of 2021 that we put together with a good friend, Ryan. Stick around. Stay tuned. Here we go. As promised, this is a best of show. It's a, a, a lot of the things that we talked about, the commentaries over the last year that have been stitched together to give you some insight of where we've been and possibly where we're going. We had a lot of great guests on. We had a lot of great information, education, all of that. But I thought that since I am on vacation in Egypt right now as we speak, that I thought, well, I don't want to miss a show. I don't want to have a week that we don't get together. And I thought it'd be great to really put some of this together. So we found some of the greatest openings, as I usually have something to say every once so often uh, throughout the year. And we put it together. And starting off with the first one, which was the episode right in the beginning of the year that started all off in 2021. Here we go. <laughs> hey, I'm a little riled up today, ready to go rocking into the new year here. And here we are off to a very interesting, I guess it's a good word to describe it, start of the new year. Kind of more of the same, but different. Thought we'd start off with some of the, the latest doings, the latest happenings in the world of finance. And I think that uh, probably we got to start off with the idea of, well, let's get scared. Why not? Because the news has been just hysterical and, and 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 frightening and and worrisome. Because we can go all over the different things that we saw this week. Let's 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 kind of think about some of the things that happened just over the last several days since we last met. Probably the biggest news of the week, uh, kind of maybe I don't know if we can even pick the biggest item, whether it was the Georgia runoffs the potential for another impeachment hearing or at least an impeachment of President Trump, Elon Musk becoming the richest person in the world, Bitcoin hitting 40,000, Twitter then banning Trump's accounts permanently forever and ever and ever and ever, labor markets reporting some big losses or Maybe the news is that the 10-year Treasury is now squarely above 1%. We could all, probably could also mention that the Fed has been talking about tapering. 
There's been some conversation from various members of the Fed and the speakers and those voting and non-voting that have talked about, hey, you know, we may start actually thinking about tapering. Now, of course, remember that the Fed talked about not thinking about, not thinking about, not thinking about raising rates till sometime in, what was it, 2023. But, well, this is a little different. We're talking about tapering. In other words, what that means and what that, what, what that code is, is that they may slow down the purchase, the quantitative easing of the bonds, right? The quantitative easing purchasing program they have that is buying $120 billion of monthly uh, municipals and of uh, corporates and of treasuries, and they may start to slow that down. I don't see how that's possible, especially with the massive amount of spending that's about to be unleashed by Washington. What an exhausting week. I mean, it feels like it's not seven days. It feels like 30 days have elapsed since the last time we talked. I mean, incredible activity. And let's admit it has been absolutely fascinating. I mean, the stuff that's going on right now, you 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 know there's going to be courses taught about what's going on here. Yeah, there's been other times. I mean, there's definitely when I start thinking back on all the different crazy items that we've seen in the past, the Tilray moves, the iOmega the dot-com bubbles, all of those. Yeah, there's kind of those times that markets got loopy or or pear-shaped, right? But it's kind of different this time as there's this rabid crowd that's seemingly purposely trying to break the system. You know, for a long time, I've been talking about my thoughts and my reservations about this free trading and the gamification of investing and the concerns I had about this, specifically related to Robinhood and the trading app and how they do things with um, the, the 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 free trade, but not really free, where they're actually paying uh, or someone's paying for order flow, and the order flow is going through different companies and the concerns I had about that. But this goes much deeper because, in the end, I I really think this is all about greed. It's a stampede of greed that's unfortunately wrapped in some kind of social justice wrapper where we're going to go from inequity financially to equity by breaking down and burning down the house. We talked about this on DH Unplugged. I did that uh, last week. And I'm sure we're going to be getting into this with our guest today. And I'm sure we're going to be getting into this next week, continuing the discussion with next week's guest, Anthony Pompliano, I'm, I'm sure of this, because this is not ending so quickly. The idea that we're doing this to get back at the unfairness that has gone on for so long is an t- entirely different mission than just trying to make money. Well, so much for March. Well, at least the first week. Coming in like a bear and questioning whether or not it's going to go out like a bull. Now, there's a lot going on. I got to say we talk about that a lot. I say that a lot. There's a lot going on. But there is a lot going on right now. And I must say that this week has been, well, to put it mildly, a little rough on many of the Momo or the Momentum names. We can look at any of these and see that. There were some serious sell programs that started on Tuesday. And if you recall, one of the things that I've been talking about over the last several weeks are my concerns that 
the amount of money that has been attracted into some of these names and some of the ETFs that are pushing these, like ARK Investments, that have, I would say, not single-handedly, but have really been at the forefront of pushing up these names, and you know the names, we know the names, quite significantly over the last several months, if not the last year. And I was wondering, I mean, what does it look like when some of this money flow starts to reverse? I tweeted that a couple of weeks back, I believe it was, or maybe a week and a half back. And I said, you know, um, you know, watch out. If we see that these flows that have been attracted into these very concentrated, actively managed ETFs start to turn from the buy to the sell. You know, when you have an ETF like ARK, their innovation fund that owns 10%, I think it was 8.5% before the first drop, and then 10.5% they bought back into Tesla. And when you see Tesla off 30-something percent from its highs, it's a big problem because now all of a sudden that selling that is, is happening, possibly people pulling their money out of the ARKK, that's the symbol of the ARK Innovation Fund, they have to then sell some of their positioning. And as they sell their positioning, it kind of creates a feedback loop. Selling begets more selling, and people start panicking, and all of a sudden, this is gigantic. Now that Tesla's down 32% from its high, ARC is down 25% from its high, and not to take anything away from the fact that both these names have had huge runs over the past year. Not only those names, but also the big momentum names and the SPACs. And what was really interesting, I thought, was that move that we saw on Monday and then Tuesday, you know, the upside move. And then Tuesday, kind of some selling in there. Wednesday, more selling. Thursday, it started really that, that, that forced kind of indiscriminate selling really picked up. And then Friday was a bloodbath. Now, mind you, there was a big turnaround on Friday at the 1130 hour where things all of a sudden stopped and said, hey, wait a minute, maybe we're selling these off too much and there's opportunity ahead. And all of a sudden we saw that big turnaround. However, what I saw towards the end of Thursday and into Friday was indiscriminate selling. You know, in the old days we would say it looked like there was somebody that had a fat finger on the futures and just blew them out and everything underneath it just caved in. And a very good day to you. Happy Passover for all that are celebrating this fine holiday. I'm Andrew Horowitz and so glad that you are joining me today. Yeah, we have a busy show today. What is a value stock? We've been hearing more and more about this as they've been leading the markets tremendously this year, as back part of last year, but more so this year. And this move has been pretty significant. So I thought that we would bring back Vitaly and talk about that because he's a guru in the area of value stocks. Get to the bottom of what he thinks really is the definition and how to find those. Last week, we talked about this on DH Unplugged this week, also had some discussion, this idea of what was going on with yields with regard to bonds, the supplemental re, uh, leverage ratio, the SLR, which we saw a final resolution of that by the Fed last week, talking about how 
They are going to end the program on March 31st, as planned. It was planned. This is what they were doing. And now that was, I think, a relief for markets to a degree. Some of the thought that many of the primary dealers, banks would have to sell their bonds. And there was a lot of bond selling. About $80 billion worth of bonds was sold. And that did, in fact, bring rates up. But we know that the Fed is still buying $120 billion of total bonds per month, $80 billion of treasuries, $40 billion of mixed uh, in the area of corporates and, and munis. So they're still at it. Their balance sheet is bigger than ever. Let's take a look at that. It's, it's you know, multiple trillions of dollars. Highest level, they're continuing to buy. They're not stopping anytime soon. But there was something else going on right now. You know, right now we saw that one of the things that have been happening that has been important to markets is the move on rates. Bonds have been, the yields have been driving higher. We started the year in 2021 at about 1%, sub 1%, actually 0.93 when I last looked at it. And we hit a high of 1.7% or so in 2021. That's a pretty significant move. Now, when we have those kinds of moves, and when we see the impact on stocks, and again, something we've talked about, we have to look at what else is going on. And right now, there was a study that was put out by J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs this week that I think was really important because it talks about how much is going to be required over the next several weeks to rebalance portfolios that are considered allocated and fixed allocation. You know, the old 60-40, 50-50, 70-30 kind of move of balance fund and some of the sovereign wealth funds, some of the hedge funds, some of the institutions out there, pension funds. And what happens is that they're going to have a requirement to rebalance. And as bonds have not done well throughout the year so far, this quarter is going to see upwards of about a $500 billion move from stocks to bonds. <laughs> what a rush. What a ride. So much money is flowing into every part of the markets. It's amazing to see that we are having an incredible amount of opportunity in so many different areas. Obviously, a lot of people are asking the question, how long is this going to hold? Can it just continue into the future where we see every single day that the markets are down, just popping right back up? And we're seeing that things like NFTs and these stocks that have high short interest and no earnings moving up. And we're seeing the things like, well, the coin side, the cryptos are just going just absolutely bonkers. How long can this last? Well, let me let, welcome you to this week's episode. Thank you for joining me. I'm Andrew Horowitz. I am the founder of investment management firm, financial planning firm, Horowitz & Company. So glad that you can join me this week and every single week because there's a lot to talk about and it is really interesting on what's happening and what's going on out there, isn't it? I had a discussion this week, just not even this week, it was, it was this weekend with a good friend and he's in the home remodeling business and he's having a problem. It's a good problem, but a problem because business is so good that he just can't get it done. I mean, he has so much business that he can't keep up. And the problem is twofold. 
First, it's getting the product. And while well, he'll get it, but the question is, how long is it going to take? So you talk to somebody and they want to buy something like, well, yeah, we can get that, but it's going to be four or five months for that particular item for your house, whether it's a cabinet, whether it's uh, some windows. And the second problem, and maybe even more important right now, is the ability to get installers, contractors, people to do the work to actually get this done. Again, a good problem to have. There's no question about that. We know business is booming in the area of housing. And there's a four to five, six month wait to get anything done. I just had some storm, um, the sliders. I, I replaced French doors in my house along the back of my house. And I put sliders in. Took four months to get that in. Once it came in, fortunately, I know the guy that does the installation. And he was able to get it in with a couple of weeks. But they're telling me that they are backed up as well. And you have to ask yourself, if it takes all this time to get the product and get the projects completed, and if, in fact, you can actually get the people to do the job, what does that mean? What does this kind of situation bring? Well, it brings prices up, right? You have to pay more for the product as a simple supply-demand calculation. And you have to pay more for people and workers because... You need them to get this done, and they know it, and they're expecting to be get paid more. Yeah, again, is a good problem for certain areas, for workers that are in that industry. But this also yields to inflation and inflationary pressures that we're seeing in many different industries. We saw the latest reading on PPI and CPI from wholesale goods to the finished product that goes to the consumer. And we saw that not only on a year-over-year, year, which we talked about the base effect that's going to, in fact, yeah, pop all these numbers pretty hard. We saw the month-over-month month numbers get really hot again. And while we're being told that this is temporary, just a transitory situation, I really question whether or not it is. Have you seen some of the prices lately? particularly in, in, in the area of commodities, lumber prices are just, when I say off the chart, you know, off the chart. One month price change on the futures from 854 to 1260. That's about a 50% increase in 30 days. 80% increase this year. 137% over six months. And... 320% over the last five years. So this situation, while we just saw the expansion and movement really get parabolic over the last six months or so, this has been building for a while. All right, so it's time to take a quick break from the best of. And we just talked about how there was this time when we saw in the first part of, in the first half of the year, this crazy parabolic move in commodities and the incredible the incredible inflationary syndrome that was probably upon us that wasn't being recognized really well at the time, or at least it was being downplayed. And before we get into what happened next, I want to mention Portfolio Analyst, which is powered by Interactive Brokers, and this helps sophisticated investors understand the health of their complete financial portfolio. You see, Portfolio Analyst is free 
and it's really easy to use. It's personal finance software that helps create a consolidated view of banking and brokerage and credit card accounts. Compare your consolidated portfolio against more than 200 benchmarks or even create customized benchmarks for analyzing performance. Calculate time and money-weighted rate of returns and use Portfolio Analyst for forecasting. Sign up for free at PortfolioAnalyst.com. So let's get back to the best of, and here we are all the way into the latter part of May after we saw all that was going on with these parabolic moves of, this, of the commodities and we saw what was happening in the markets. And here we are on the precipice of a market that's not so happy. And welcome to the correction. Selma would have been a great idea so far. Well, let's see how deep the threshold is for some traders that seem, well, I guess they've been uh, uh, disgorged of a chunk of their profits on these high flyer names this week. And we're seeing a little bit of a turnaround towards the end of the week. That's good to know if you haven't noticed and you're wondering what is going on with that guy's voice. Let's just say that it was a little too much karaoke last night. Now, you may be asking, as I mentioned, well, what correction? Markets, are they correcting? I mean, we saw a good number of moves to the downside, but by the end of the week last week, wow, things really came together and charged higher. Well, yes, markets themselves were down. Where is this correction that you're talking about? Yeah, the NASDAQ came down a little bit. Small caps definitely down as well. Dow and S&P struggling to keep their all-time highs, but pretty close to them. But really what I'm talking about is this stealth correction that we're seeing underneath the surface. Parts of the market, not necessarily any one market index, because I know a lot of us spend time looking at, well, how did that index do and how does it compare to what I do? Or... You know, is the market in uptrend or downtrend, let's say, and we base it on a particular index or a set of indices. But yet, as we know, and we've talked about many times, the fact is that the indices are not necessarily representative of, let's say, stocks that are in your portfolio or maybe the ETFs that you have because of a couple of things. Number one, you may be investing in something totally different, but number two, the market indices, primarily the big ones that we look at, the small cap indices from the Russell, or maybe even the S&P 500 or NASDAQ, are market cap weighted, meaning that the larger stocks in the portfolio in that index have a much greater overall representation when calculating what the index does. So therefore, if those are doing okay, but yet there's a, just a, a massive amount of selling and dropping of prices of the stocks underneath, well, we may not be getting a really good understanding of what is happening in totality within that index or within, within the markets. So I will tell you, if we look at things like the EV-related, I mean, that's the electric vehicle-related, and some of the hot stocks in the ARK investments, Bitcoin last week and others in the area of crypto, of course, we have SPACs. They have all uh, been pretty much eviscerated, uh, you know, even though they are up significantly from where maybe their IPOs, that $10 level they came out. Well, we saw some of these go to 40 and 50 and now down to the 20s or maybe even 
the high teens. So they all have a lot in common, many of these, because we saw this massive break higher. If you remember, if you look at any chart of any of these names, whether it was the solar, whether it was um, the the uh, the cryptos, whether it was EV, whether it was kind of the new age types of stocks, right? The exciting next generation, the the idea of saving the world and changing the way that we do business. So no longer are we going to sit with utilizing traditional financial products. We're going to go towards the FinTwit or FinTech, <laughs> FinTwit for Twitter, FinTech. We're going to go for DeFi. You know, we're going to look at things that really could significantly change the world. Well, hello, welcome to the show. Welcome to the end of May 2021. Hope you're having a great Memorial Day weekend. My wish for you is to have a wonderful barbecue with family and friends, spending some time outdoors because God knows we've been cooped up for a long time. A lot of people outside Florida, especially. Yes, I'm in Florida. Yes, I'm Andrew Horowitz, by the way. I am the host. Well, today we got a special show, something I've been working on for a while. Wanted to really wrap up some of the conversations that we've been having over the last several weeks, the idea behind really how do you achieve that perfect level of diversification? And, and let me, quick spoiler alert here, there is no perfect level of diversification. There's no perfect portfolio. It has to be adjusted, massaged, and rebalanced. It has to be looked at. It has to be cared for. It has to be taken care of over time. The fact of the matter is, that there is no, no such thing that I could think of when we're working on the idea of diversification in a static portfolio, something that you just put together when you're 25 and just let it do its thing till you're 60. Times change, things change, needs change, ideas change, markets change. I will tell you that since I have been doing this when I was in my 20s, markets are completely different. I hate to break it to you, but we didn't have internet back then. We barely had cell phones. They were just coming out. And things change. And this is part and parcel to what you really want to be focusing in and, and really taking from this conversation that we're going to have today, because I think it's really important to, to understand it and grab onto it, to really internalize some of the things that we're going to give to you today that I think would be very helpful. And welcome to the new world, the new federal holiday announced and approved. We got Juneteenth, which is now a new federal holiday. It's going to be, I think, our 12th of the year. So during the summertime, now we're going to have a lot more going on in terms of the ability to take off, it seems. And summer is here. Yep. So, uh, we have the virus somewhat under control. We have markets uh, not so happy right now, but, well, maybe parts of the market at least. Last week, we talked about diversification. In fact, it was part of a of a, of a multi-part series on, kind of a mini-series on the idea of diversification and really understanding more about what is and what is not the area of, of diversification that we should focus on. We talked about sector allocation. We talked about what is and what isn't diversification. We talked about understanding fixed income, alternative assets, a little bit into, into the area of hedging. 
You know, these are things that we do each and every day and that we look at and we try to figure out where do we want to be in the markets? Where do we want our portfolio to, to be? You know, it's interesting because you can make all of your best assumptions looking at historical uh, analogs, looking at the way things reacted under certain conditions in the past. And at the same time, realize that Many of those types of relationships, correlations, are broken. And a big part of the reason is because we no longer really have a totally free market. And that's something really important to understand in the world of investing right now. That may change in the future, but right now we have a lack of true capitalism, market freedom because it's being supported by the Fed and fiscal policy. And we're all happy about that. Whoa, hey, you know, give us an extra trillion dollars, do another $100 billion worth of monthly bind buying, make sure that we have interest rates low so that borrowing costs are really in control and, and extremely low, and let's do everything that we can to prop up the economy. And that's good for stocks, it's good for investments, commodities, it's good for everything, speculation, everything is good, but you know, we have to also step back and recognize that that is not necessarily a freely operating market. And a warm, I mean warm summer. Welcome to August 2021. Here we are. The year is moving quick, fast, forward, and markets can provide just all sorts of excitement, don't they? And it was a busy week for earnings. It was, I think, a total of uh, upwards of about 40% of the S&P 500 reported this week. And we learned a great deal. I don't think there's any question about the fact that companies are doing extraordinarily well. Not every single company, but really on the whole. When you look at the, the broad swath of companies that did, in fact, report this week, it was pretty good. And we're seeing that companies are able to, right now, as we sit and we look going backward of what has happened over the last couple of quarters, blow past revenue and earnings, right? The expectations that they had that were put on by the analysts and what actually came out, woof, big differential. Top and bottom line beats everywhere. And some of these were way ahead, way ahead of not only what was anticipated maybe by any guidance that was put out, but also from the aspect of where analysts had laid down the top end of where they thought things were. So in other words, it wasn't just a simple beat. I mean, there were some serious blowouts going on. You know, you have to think about that. You know, are we entering into a point right now, if you start considering what we've seen and all the things that went into this, right, all the catalysts that were involved in, in creating this situation where we've had a reopening, you know, shutdown, closing to opening the doors, to massive stimulus, to panic buying of goods, to low interest rates and monetary policy around the world being incredibly 
dovish, accommodative. And, and you do have to just take a moment. You have to think about this. I mean, are we now entering peak earnings? Are we in a situation currently where companies are the tail end of that breakneck growth that we saw, you know, the 30, the 40, the 50% earnings growth on a year-over-year basis is kind of hot, especially for not, I mean, we're not talking about startups here. We're not talking about IPOs, right? We're talking about companies that are mature. And these companies are showing significant increases. Now, yes, he's going to say, hey, Andrew, listen, but look at where we were a year ago. I got that. I understand that. But even so, a year ago, from where we are now, many of these companies are topping their numbers pre-pandemic, pre-lockdowns, pre-shutdowns from March of 2020. And here we are. I know it's cliche, but man, it's September already. Seriously, I always viewed September, probably you did too, as kind of the end of the year. Here it comes, right? I got back to school when I was young after Labor Day growing up in New York. It was kind of the thing, you know, after Labor Day, after the Jerry Lewis telethon, we went back to school. Down here in Florida, you go back to school in like June, May, some ridiculous time. Or maybe talk, no, go back to school in August. I'm sorry, like early August because they want to keep on the same schedule as ah, colleges. Some weird stuff down here and around the country with the timing. But when I remember it best, it was right after Labor Day. Hey, I'm Andrew Horowitz. I'm the host of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Well, I want to talk about a few things this week in particular as we are getting into that groove of, like I said, you know, back to school, end of year, final quarter, coming up, and some of the things that we should be starting to think about. But I also wanted to recap the things that are going on in the markets right now. What is happening, the themes, uh, the economic numbers, just to kind of get a quick insight into what is going on in terms of the outlook, the explanation, sometimes not needed. Some people don't care about the explanation. It's like, I don't care why this is doing that. It's just doing that. And that's all fine and good. In fact, some of the best technical analysts, those chartists out there, don't even care the rhyme, the reason, or even what the particular name of a security they're looking at on a chart is. They don't care what it does or what it what it is. All about is what it's done and what it is potentially going to do. That is their job. Sometimes they go so far in training to blank out the name of the security and say, here's the chart. Make your uh, take a review of it, make your plan on it. What's the outlook? Where's the positioning that you're going to take on this? The what if then concept. What are we looking at in terms of what has happened? If this happens, what will be the outcome? The if then. If it goes up by here, above here, hey, that's a long opportunity. If it goes down by here, we're going to cut our losses, et cetera. These are the kind of things. But some other people, you know, they're like, hey, I like to know what's going on and why it's happening. Why is it that when we see a jobs report like we've seen it, the market does this or that? Now, let's start out with the themes. Themes that I'm looking at right now, I think are very clear in a lot of people's mind. I think they're very obvious when we look at this. It's all about Tina and 
Siftler. Siftler. <laughs> Tina, T-I-N-A, Siftler, S-F-T-L-R. No, not, not sorry for the late reply. That stands for that also. Sorry for the late reply. No, but more so all about Tina. There is no alternative with interest rates as low as they are right now. It's very difficult for anybody to get really piped up and, and, and excited about, hey, let me put that $250,000 in a 0.01% interest-bearing account. Man, that's really going to pay off. No. There is no alternative. Should I put it in bonds where there is a relative high on prices right now with the, with the prospect of inflation coming and really not much more wiggle room to the downside on yields potentially unless we go negative in the U.S., and not even further negative on European bonds, Japanese bonds, and probably not going to see negative interest rates in other areas around the world, as we know that this experiment has not really worked. So therefore, where's the real opportunity in bonds? The yield's not there. The upside for growth's not there. All right, scratch that off the list too. And as we go down the list of possibilities of where we're going to invest and you have to ask yourself, where else? And you come up with Tina. Oh, Tina, there is no alternative. And that's something we've been talking about for a long time. More importantly, I think this Seftler, <laughs> S-F-T-L-R, stocks for the long run. A book by Jeremy Siegel put out many years ago who predicted, you know, Dow 30,000, Dow 50,000, Dow 100,000. And that's really based on simple mathematics of a 7 to 8% rate of return on an annualized basis, which has been the historical norms for markets over time. You take that and you plug that number into where we are now, do a future value calculation, and what do you get? Well, very simply, you go from 35,000 to 45,000 to 50,000 to 70,000. It gets up there over time when you have a compounding of interest with dividends reinvested and with markets just doing their very basic thing of what they have done historically. If they continue doing that in the future, that's what you get. Not a lot of magic, but a lot of things behind it that are trying to support the thesis. And welcome to the Discipline Investor Podcast. Here we are in the mid part of September 2021. And this is episode number 732 of the longest running financial podcast in history. Yes, this is the place, the OG of podcasts in the area of finance. Back in 2007, it all started. A few things I want to talk about, and I want to get right to our guests because I do want to get into the ins and outs of the idea of research understanding areas of the markets that are potentially beneficial right now, because right now we are in a very awkward position, I think, with the aspects of the market being under pressure and seeing some selling that has gone on recently beyond what we've seen for a while. But I want to take a moment <laughs> With all the busy week that we had this week and Yum Kipper smack in the middle of it and wishing everyone a happy new year for Rosh Hashanah. Hopefully you were able to atone for your sins, all of our Jewish friends that are listeners on Yum Kipper. And now we enter into the holiday of Sukkot uh, in a couple of days. So things are uh, right in the middle of all the holidays right now. But 
It was a busy week. But one of the things that that really I want to focus in on, and I think it demands that we really understand this, is my total disgust with the recent, quote, news, quote, unquote, news, that Fed officials have been trading in stocks. Now, this has been something that we have talked about here. We've talked about it on DH Unplugged. When Powell came in back in the days of Bernanke, we looked at what his holdings were. Same thing for Janet Yellen. We said, hey, you know what? How can these people be unbiased and make decisions that are unbiased if, in fact, they are holding all these positions, particularly Jay Powell, with more money than all of them when he came into office, more investments. And while many of those were in ETFs and mutual funds and supposedly in a couple of trust and family trust that he can't do anything with, which, by the way, is a bunch of BS. Just because they're in a family trust does not mean you can't change your investments. Now, while you may not be able to get at your corpus, take money out right now, unless there's a qualifying event, but let's put all that legalese aside for a second. The fact is, a lot of these things are still his money and he could do what he wants with. He could direct his brokers to do something with it. And in fact, whether or not he could take it out now is not the point. Whether or not he could touch it, it's a smokescreen. The fact is that we found not only are these officials from the Fed trading in stocks, individual stocks, in ETFs, but they're trading in futures. They're trading in municipal bonds. And who knows what else during the time that they were serving as members of the FOMC and various other parts of the Fed. Is it news? No, we've known this for years, but the optics that now all of a sudden there's a realization that, wait, 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 you guys are spending an inordinate amount of money and it keeps on flowing and interest rates are at zero and we have all these other good things happening and you're not making any moves. And yet at the same time, why? The big question of why? Why? And then when you start to see and unravel things and look at, well, these fellas and gals are also investors. Bad optics. And September is winding down. Here we are on the last show of the month. That's it. There's the last uh, couple of days left in September. And as we had expected, well, markets were rocky. When I say we expected, that's what we were fed. That's the information we were told by the media, right? That September's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. Oh, my God. Get off the keister. Get off the couch. Get off the lazy train. And you got to make sure to commit. You got to make sure that you're doing what it takes each and every day to get ahead when it comes to your financial situation. And I'll tell you why I'm kind of charged up about that. And the reason is that, in particular, this week, I had, a, I had somebody that I've known for a long time in my house. And he does work for me, frankly. He does a, a good amount of work in the area of repairs, let's call it, okay? For lack of a better distinction. And the last two or three times, but definitely the last two times that he's been in my house, we've had the same exact discussion. And the discussion is, I really need to start investing, he says. Uh-huh. Okay. What do you want to do? Well, what do you think about, you know, this or that? I'm like, wait, hold on a second. 
what have you invested so far? Well, nothing. Well, you got two kids that are going to college, right? One day, maybe. Yes. Okay. Have you set aside money for? No. Have you done? No. I said, well, have you done? No. All right. Do you have an IRA? Do you have a pension plan? Something? No. I said, okay, let's, let's wind this. Seriously, the same discussion I had twice. Let's wind it all the way backwards. Let's talk about this. What are you doing? Well, I just got to learn a little bit more about this and all that. I said, am I supposed to learn how to do your craft? No. What you need to do is find a way and realize that you need to do it. If I don't hire you, my house, my air conditioning is going to be, you know, it's going to be 100 degrees in my house. I don't need to know how the condenser works or the air handler or what goes on with the electrical panel. I don't need to know any of that. I just know, hey, listen, I need an air conditioner. You're the expert. You put it in, you service it, do the work, great. Okay. So why aren't you just investing in a mutual fund, in an ETF, something simple? It doesn't have to be very fancy, complicated, difficult. You don't need to put a whole four-year education into it if you hire somebody to act as a fiduciary to help you through the process. I don't understand. I'm thinking to myself, this is the second time we've had this conversation. And the last time was about eight months ago. Your kids are eight months old. Your family is that much more towards retirement. What are you doing? And I never really pressure anybody. So I was kind of talking about this, but I'm thinking this in my head. I'm like, what's going on? Have I not done my job? I'm thinking to myself of motivating somehow and, and giving him the, the, the access, the tools. And frankly, I'm not going to charge him anything. He's, I've known him for years. If he wants help, I'll help him. Just like if I need help, I'll call him. Again, never going to press myself upon anybody or try to twist anybody's arm. However, this is where I draw the line. The fact that he's now gone a year between talking about when to invest because he's not sure what to do. It's not, it's not that he's afraid to invest. It's not that he's risk averse. He just doesn't understand it. I think now's the time that I need to step in there. What do you think, right? I need to step in there. So I am going to, as a matter of fact, right now at this moment, just, you can hear me ripping the page. I am going to put his name down on a piece of paper on a reminder. It's right on my studio desk. I can't walk out of here without grabbing that. And I will call him this week and say, hey, we need to do something. Just like I'm making a virtual call to you right now. We need to do something. We need to find a way to make sure that you are situated in a way that is optimized. That your portfolio is set in a way that you're getting the best bang out of the buck, and more importantly, that you're putting away as much as you can in the most efficient manner. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm back here live talking to you now, Andrew Horowitz in the flesh, and I hope that that best of the beginnings, the openings of each of the podcasts, or many of the podcasts, not all of them, but many of the podcasts, many of them from the beginning of this year till now, kind of shed some light in a chronological order of what we were thinking, what was going on, and how, in fact, it played out from there. Not always right, but trying to get to the pulse nonetheless. Listen, 
if you want to get more information, you want to find out what we do on a regular basis for our clients as uh, in the area of investment management and wealth management and investment advice, well, all you have to do is go over to thedisciplinedinvestor.com. Check out all the different strategies that we have right there on that page. Or if you just want to write me, give me some information, comment, suggestion, or get in touch, click on the Ask Andrew button on the top of the page there on thedisciplineinvestor.com, and I will be sure to get back to you as soon as it comes in. It's quick. I like to answer my emails very quickly. Listen, thanks for joining me. I'm going to see you uh, next week. We're going to have some great commentary. I'll tell you all about the trip, how it went, what was good, what was bad, maybe some of the things that uh, were a little strange, and we'll do that on the next time on the Discipline Investor Podcast. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company. <laughs>